Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, and we're glad that you've decided to join us as we continue in our series, One Faith, One Body, based on Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Today you're going to be hearing from one of the students in Dr. Eddie Sanders' Preaching the New Testament class. Part of their assignment for this past semester was to prepare an episode of the DCC Leadership Podcast and to share that with you, our listeners. And so joining us today for the fifth episode in this series is Matt Anderson. Matt, it's good to have you today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Matt's a senior who comes to us all the way from Hobart, New York. He's majoring in psychology and will be graduating this coming December. And today he's going to be sharing with us from Ephesians chapter 5. Facilitating the discussion with Matt is the Director of Learning Technology and Associate Professor of Intercultural Studies here at Dallas Christian College, Mr. Gary Hardy. Gary, it's good to have you back. Glad to be back, Scott. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you uh, kick off uh, this next episode in our series as we look at Ephesians chapter 5. All right. Thanks, Scott. Um, Of course, this is chapter 5, and we've covered four chapters in previous podcasts already. So listeners, if you haven't had a chance to take those in yet, I encourage you to do so um, and and find out what our other students have said in those first four chapters. But today we're in chapter 5. And so, Matt, I'm just going to let you have at it here. Uh, Tell us about chapter 5. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, obviously our theme for this podcast is uh, centered around unity and the body of Christ. Um, So what I want to do is focus on uh, verses 22 through 33, which seems kind of thrown in there randomly by Paul. You know, we've talked about uh, the new life and and all this unity, and Caleb and Abram did such a great job of introducing um, the theme to this book. And then all of a sudden he goes into, okay, let's talk about wives and husbands. But although it seems so randomly thrown in, I I believe that it is the perfect image of the body of Christ and just an awesome form of unity, obviously marriage um, being unity. So uh, I guess we'll just go right into it and read it real quick um, before we get, you know, too deep into this. Uh, Verse 22, starting there says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself." For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are all members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." Wow, there's a there's quite a bit there. It's yeah. I always think about this passage um, a little bit because at times I think, okay, is Paul using 
marriage to illustrate how the church is supposed to be, or is he using the church to demonstrate how marriage is supposed to be? Right. And sometimes I think he's trying to do a little bit of both. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but we're focused on uh, the unity of the body of Christ, so I think we're going to take the, the, the tack that he's using marriage to illustrate what the church is supposed to be like sure. in, in this podcast today. So what, what do you have to say about that, Matt? Well, I want to start off, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of doing a few weddings um, in my day, and uh, this is actually the scripture that I use for weddings, uh, especially in counseling, rather than uh, the love chapter, which there's nothing long, wrong with the love chapter, but I, I like to use this because um, although it seems so old-fashioned, and I've been told that uh, my second wedding actually I had to kind of rush, and she was like, well, that seems kind of old-fashioned. Can we change? You know, can we change it up a little bit? Um, I feel like people really miss what it what it means. Um, so many times they're so focused on verses twenty through twenty-two through twenty-four uh, that again, you know, they just say that it's that it's so old-fashioned. Saying, you know, wives, we need to submit to the husband, and the husband is the head, and and although it might seem old-fashioned when you dissect what it really means i feel like again like i mentioned earlier um it's just the perfect image of of who christ is and and the unity of of christ and the body yeah um i think it's also important when you when you look at these commands that are given to pay attention to who's commanded to do what Mm -hmm. for example the wife it says to the wife submit to your husbands it does not say husbands make your wives submit to you right Okay, the the command is to the wife, not to the husband in that case. So yeah. it's not the job of the husband to force his wife into submission. Sure. But rather she is to submit to him. And and his command is to what? Love mm. his wife, right? Yeah. Um so that you know, we sometimes we get focused on well, I'm not a I'm not a good head of the house if I don't make my wife submit. Yeah. That's not what the text is telling you to do. It's exactly. telling you love your wife, and mm-hmm. if she's not submissive, maybe that's when you need to love her more, right. yeah, <laughs> uh, rather than be heavy-handed, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and my next point was is that because verses twenty-two through twenty-four are so focused on, um, we miss out on verses twenty-five through twenty-nine, and that's exactly what as you were saying. You know, the command for the wife is quite brief there's not much for the wife to have to do and then god goes and says husbands you have to do all of these things love your wife as christ loves the church and gave himself up for her as you mentioned there's there's so much that the husband is commanded to do and one thing that i really love and and in my the first wedding i did the the wife really appreciated this part um in verse 27 it says so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Mm. And the way that I look at that is that the husband's job is to make his wife look good. Yeah. Right? That's what Jesus has to do here. That's what Jesus did for the church here. Because if we're going to use the analogy of Jesus in the church and husbands as the, as the and, and wives— Jesus makes the church look without spot or wrinkle or any blemish that they'd be holy. And if that's the command for the husband, like I said, you know, the wife really enjoyed that part. You know, I told her, I looked at the, the husband and said, you need to make her look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she really appreciated that. Yeah. I, you know, personally, I find it very sad when I hear 
husband or wife belittling their partner mm. in front of other people um, and putting them down and things like that because it's just the opposite of like what you're saying. Yeah. We're to make each other look good. Right. Um, and especially in this case, the husband yeah. is is to try to make his wife look good. Absolutely. In, in front of everyone and in front of the Lord and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I heard an example um, a few years ago when I was at college in Colorado. You know, an example that a pastor there had shared was that the husband, you know, they went in for some marriage counseling. Their their couple's marriage was failing. And they went into him and the wife was like, well, he, you know, he's trying to make me watch porn with him. Um, and as as a i guess an excuse as to why he is making her do that well look what it says you need to submit to me and and i think that's that's a terrible example you know and and i feel like a lot of people see it as that like okay if the wife if the husband says something the wife has to do it and in that example she was like yeah he he's trying to make me watch porn with him and and i just don't want to do that and it's making our marriage fail yeah yeah you know i mean there are some things i think when you just look at things reasonably that a woman should not submit to exactly if her husband as you know crime (laughs) would be one you know and things like that any anything that's harmful Mm. um you know i i see no reason that this text would tell a woman who's being abused by her husband to just allow that to keep happening yeah um that that's in fact that's where the legal system needs to get involved. <laughs> Just because you're married to someone doesn't make it legal right. for you to do things to them that you wouldn't be able to do to other people, right? right? Yeah. Um, and so there's there's a reasonableness to this that mm. says you know submission only goes so far as it's in accordance with the way God would have us to live, sure, and doesn't violate uh, precepts, rules, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, again, so many times we stop at chapter at verse 24, you know, beating your wife or making her watch porn with you and, and that kind of stuff. How is that at all what verses 25 through 29 says? You know, yes, the wife needs to submit to the husband, but in acts of love. You yeah. know, if the husband is acting completely out of the love that Jesus has for the church, sure, go ahead and submit to that because that's what you're commanded to do. Right. But as you mentioned, you know, by no means should a husband use verses 22 through 24 as an excuse to beat his, his wife. Um, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's wrong. And, and, and I would even go so far as to say that, you know, we're, we're, we're using this as an example of, for marriage, but also for the church. Um, Christ would never ask the church to submit to anything sure. that would violate his own things. And so, you know, anytime a, a church leaders or someone like that is considering what course of action to take. Right. Um, if they're submitting to Christ, they won't fall into the temptations to kind of do things that are not exactly in sure. the in the right way and make mistakes and things that might even have legal repercussions and things for the congregation. We see right. that happen from time to time. Yeah. And I, I question whether they're really submitting to Christ in that moment or submitting to their own uh, style of, of what they want to happen and trying to force it. Yeah. Yeah, and and after I was able to explain all this to the first couple that I was able to uh, marry, they they started to understand and see the perfect picture of who Jesus is. Um, you know, as as much as people don't want to agree, each person in a marriage has a role. Um, you know, and and this is the perfect picture of who Jesus is. Wim- women as beautiful, mm-hmm. right? 
no matter how hard I try, I am not going to be as beautiful as a woman. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. But Jesus is absolutely beautiful. And then we have men as the strong leader. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, if I, me and a woman started working out at the exact same time after a year, she is not going to be as strong as I am. So when those two come together in unity, we get exactly who Jesus is, the beauty of who Jesus is, along with the strength and the leadership of who Jesus is. And then we get, you know, again, in that unity, we get the body of Christ. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's tempting to compare these things to like cultural norms. Right. You know, as as a former missionary and a, a professor of intercultural studies, I, I've seen, you know, all cultures have the status of marriage, husbands, mm. wives, yeah. but the roles that come along with those vary from culture to culture. Right. In some culture, you know, certain roles are more expected of the man than the woman and more expected of the woman than the man. And sometimes, sometimes we can take our cultural norms and try to make them try to be across the board when we need to understand that the reasons that these cultural norms have developed in places is out of necessity. Yeah. And the truth is uh, we have, I mean, the culture is the result of the sinfulness of man. It's, I like to say it's man's imperfect attempt to cope with an imperfect world. Mm. Uh, and so sometimes the cultural norms do need to be adjusted sure. to conform more to the, what God would have for marriage. But sometimes they're just cultural norms yeah. that don't need to be tampered with. Right. Yeah, so now you know, we can move later on into the chapter here. Um, you know, the chapter mentions that the body of Christ, you know, it mentions the body of Christ and how when man and wo- woman come together, um, they make one flesh, and it's it, quoted in verse 30 as members of his body. And, um, you know, Paul mentions, I believe, where is it, in verse 32, um, the mystery. And Zach did a great job a couple weeks ago of defining what the mystery is as that Gentiles are joint heirs in the body of Christ. So when we see mystery here, and it it just mentions how when they come together as one flesh, it is in the body of Christ. And I think that's where we can get our theme of this book from so so easily. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's an interesting point to think about. You could al- you could almost apply this marriage kind of idea of the bringing together of mm. you know we had these two specific groups in the in. In, in Ephesus in the church, the Jews, the Gentiles, they were up coming together in Christ and neither one should look down on the other. Right. You know, there was a, there was an equality there. Um, they were becoming one flesh. Yeah. The body, yeah. you know, um, equal to equal to each other. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's important too. you know, as we talk about marriage and, and the roles of husbands and wives, Eve came from Adam's rib and that's where that equality comes from that we were talking about right he did she didn't come from the head you know to to be a, above him didn't come from the feet to be below him but from the ribs so that they could be equal and I think that again when you have that those equal entities coming together I mean we just get it's the perfect picture of who Jesus yeah. is yeah um, they certainly complement one each and complete each other absolutely um, and make together you know yeah uh not all not all people are called to marriage mm-hmm. uh you know uh jesus talks about people who have become as he says eunuchs for the kingdom yeah um i think in that case god specifically gifts them 
sure. for a, a life of singleness. But most of us end up getting married somewhere along the line. Yeah. And this passage uh, really helps us understand what God's expectation for that is and also tells us what God's expectation for the church is with yeah. regard to its husband. It's, right. you know, so, you know, we have both this, the idea of head and husband yeah. uh, with regard to Christ. Right. Yeah, and then Paul finishes up, you know, with just kind of a reminder in verse 33, you know, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, as he had mentioned, and let his the, let the wife see that she respects her husband. And I think that that defines what he meant by submitting, is that it's just, it's really just a respect thing. Um, by no means does she need to bow down to her husband. You know, it's just respect. Um, when when decisions are made out of love, respect that and submit to that, uh, just as the church should do. You know, with Jesus being our uh, husband, as as the book would say. Well, Matt, thanks so much for all of that. That's a really uh, enlightening and uh, helpful uh, information that we can take to heart concerning mm-hmm. both our marriages and our participation in the body of Christ. Yeah, exactly. And I would, uh, as you were talking, I was reminded, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Dwayne shared uh, from the first part of chapter four, talking about unity and what that looks like in the church. And then I know for the sake of time, we weren't able to do the whole chapter, but the end of chapter four really is a prelude to to what you're talking about. And Mm -hmm. that's that, you know, to take you were taught with regard to your former life to put off the old self, Mm -hmm. be made new. Uh, each of you must put off falsehood. In your anger, do not sin. Uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. And then when you move to the beginning of chapter 5, Paul continues with that. Follow God's example. Yeah. Okay, Live, walk in the way of love. And then he gives all of these examples, again, of things that we shouldn't be doing. No obscenity, no foolish talking, no sexual immorality, no mm. kind of impurity. For you were once darkness, but now you're light. And then it's almost as if, well, let me give you another example, yeah. which is exactly what you picked up on. So I, I would encourage our, our listeners to go back and really read chapters 4 and 5 together. I think you'll find that the theme there and the unity of Paul's thought and his teaching yeah. is, is really quite quite profound. So mm-hmm. thanks for, for sharing that with us. Uh, Matt, what I'm going to do is have you do uh, what we've done uh, for every uh, episode of this series, and that's if you would pray for our listeners. Uh, Like we've said before, we're trusting that God is speaking to people right now where they are, a message that they need to hear. And so I'd ask if you would uh, pray for those who are listening that, uh, that God indeed would move in their life at just this time. Sure. Well, Father, we just want to thank you uh, for the life that you've given us and for this beautiful example um, that you spoke through Paul of unity and what marriage looks like in comparison to how much you love us as the church and the body of Christ. Um, I just pray that uh, everybody's ear is open to hear Um, something about your love, Father. I ask that each and every one of them gets a revelation of how much you love them. Um, I know sometimes points, you know, I I can have a certain point and a listener can receive something completely different from that, which is totally okay. So uh, just open up their ears to hear what you have for them rather than what I have for them. Um, And pray that it just blesses everybody here. Um, We thank you again for the life you've given us. Uh, and for the opportunity to have this podcast through DCC. 
Um, and we just pray that everybody's blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to thank you again for joining us today for this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. DCC is committed to changing the world for Christ one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to be a student here at Dallas Christian College, we encourage you to check out our website at www.dallas.edu. In a couple of weeks, we will continue and wrap up this series as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, which I think will be a very interesting conclusion to what we've been talking about. So I invite you to, uh, to be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, take care, stay safe, have a great day, and we'll catch you next time.